Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. And we're back to the Real Triathlon prod- Podcast. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Garrick's going to love editing that audio of that start. No, nah, this is the best way to get your audience's attention from what I've heard based on recent statistics of podcasters of podcast and assistant podcast hosts of America. <laughs> podcast, assistant podcast, and podcast supervisors. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, this is the first time Jackson and I have been in the same uh, virtual room for a minute because you went from PTO, US Open to Font-Ramal. Then you were with Joe Skipper and Duberson, and then you just came back home and, and then had a, a stag party for Garrick. And uh, I'd like to hear some stories from that, by the way. And uh, then you know, here we are. A lot has happened. And I was in Europe the whole time, too, and trying to figure out if I could train and keep her going while managing a Super League team. And I think I did good. I think I did real well. Okay, well... Um... Yeah, it's been a minute. I went and did all that stuff. Busy, went and had a terrible race, you know, and then I'm just, you know, I'm one of those people who, when things aren't going great, I just like to not, you know, I like to try to, you just turn it back off to basics. I just turn my brain off. I'm like, nobody wants to hear about me bitch and moan about bullshit that doesn't matter. I'm just going to go to work and get better and do better in the next one. So sometimes I don't do shit for a while. And Nick's like, hey, bud, you, you want to do something? <laughs> you know, You're like the opposite. Instagram or something like that. Or, and I'm like, all right, I should probably get on that. So I'm going to be back a little bit more active. And also I'm racing four more times this year, probably. So four. yeah, so, you know, got to got to pay the bills. Uh, and also want to like, I feel like I just haven't raced much and I've been pretty fit and just hasn't worked out and i'm motivated to go and race and salvage a pretty solid season still so that's what's up with me we'll get into that more and more because i've got obviously some questions to ask you about you know well first i'll ask you right now what the hell went wrong why you've been racing so we shit? covered this all in the last podcast all right so listen to the previous podcast if you want to hear jackson's real you know edited probably very pg remarks but i want to know what really friggin went down did you get a hernia did you get a hemorrhoid did you were you actually no none of that but um i just well i mean u.s open i was just sick so what can you do you just everybody's been sick in the last eight weeks for sure by the way yeah so i just was feeling terrible on that race and tried to keep it together but wasn't happening on the run so pulled the plug and then for Finland, I was like, I was super fit. I think I just was a little flat and probably over tapered a bit uh, and hadn't finished a race or done like the run portion of a race in 15 weeks. So I was pretty rusty. I think um, that was partially due to the canceled Montremblant and then being sick at us open. So like, I just didn't have it, didn't have that normal strength and fitness level on the run that I typically do. Prior to that, the swim bike was pretty average, so like not really that bad, but not what you want for a world championship, obviously. So it's weird. Like the whole dynamics of most of the athletes who've been racing, US athletes have been paying attention outside of Rudolfo von Bergesen, who just finished fourth at the Ironman World Championship for the men's race in Nice. 
he was like our best contender and kind of like everybody in Finland, aside from Mark Dubrick, um, the travel and just getting sick seems to have kind of mentioned or messed up a lot of folks, except for the Germans. They seem to have really just like, this is our time zone. This is our neck of the woods. We're coming to bitch slap the world. And I think they did. Yeah, it's been a bit of a different dynamic than what we've expected, but it's been hopefully still exciting for people to watch. Uh, I mean, our boy Mark Duber crushed 70.3 Worlds. Uh, he was probably the only American who actually had a good race there. Yeah. Maybe the only the only North American, really. Like, um, So that was pretty solid. I mean, obviously, on the women's side, Paula and Paula had a pretty solid day. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, um, Taylor winning. But on the men's side, the the America has been struggling a little bit. But Nice, we should talk about that for sure. Well, real real quick, Mark sent me a video from the women's race in Lati, and I counted it. There was nine motorcycles with Taylor Nib. Nine, not like they were all swarming her like crazy. There was they were just like in a long nine motorcycle train. It was insane. What the frig is all that about? Nine. Yeah, I saw it. I took a video too. There's a lot. Um, I, there's definitely some help there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think she was gonna win no matter what. True, sure. But it just—it's a bit excessive, and like sometimes, you know, they're beside and whatnot. But there's obviously crosswinds sometimes, and that's gonna still help. So, uh, that I think the same dynamic played out in the men's race. Like that front group was solid, but I—I I just don't see them putting three minutes into Sam Long. Lionel working together, Thor Benix Matson working super hard. Like I think there was a little bit of assistance there for sure. But have we talked about um or has on this podcast yet with the DQ with for Lionel's center line and imaginary center line infraction? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we talked about that last time. All right. Well, I think this kind of takes us into our main point of this podcast. And we're gonna get into our kind of secondary point with uh race ranger update and then what they've been doing and how they've been incorporated into some of the races and their future outlook. So race ranger, if you don't know, is what the professional athletes have been using to better judge 20 meters for a lot of these um, PTO races. They've been in some Ironman races as well, but the feedback has been 99.9%. This is what we need. And maybe a little bit of tech delay here and there, people not understanding it and race brain playing a factor. Um, the other aspect is, kind of going to take us into some of this key points in the state of triathlon right now. And what the fuck's going on with the freaking rules and enforcing rules and just like not enforcing rules. And like, it's been crazy this year in terms of inconsistencies for the sport, certain athletes being called for things that others aren't. Um, and I think that it's made us look a bit foolish and I'm not saying that, to point anybody out in particular i just think as a collective we have too many rules to try to follow from too many federations and race organizations and certainly a standardized practice would eliminate all this um we got wtcs we got challenge we got ironman we got pto and they've all probably adopted a lot of the long course itu rules or ironman has their own set too so i just find it quite challenging and that's where i think we could all grow as a unit and support each other more first and foremost jackson what do you think 
Uh, yeah, I think this the race ranger just needs to become a standard, and then also the referees actually calling the penalties when the race rangers showing people with multiple violations because we just haven't seen that either. So um, that's important for sure. And I don't think we're too far off of that. Hopefully Ironman's open to doing that. I don't know what their status is on that. Um, <clears throat> but when it comes to some of these other rules, like the center line thing was weird. Like I, with Lionel, I don't really see how or why that's getting called. Um, when I guarantee you, 100% of that pro field crossed this like imaginary center line at some point. We had the whole road. There was no traffic the other way. Why would we not? And there was no line on the road. Um, so that was really dumb. But yeah, I mean, as far as like slotting in penalties and all that stuff, I think that's where race ranger just comes in huge because if someone slots in, you can see immediately if there was space or not. Um, so that would just really help with the consistency. Um, for sure. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's part of it. I, I think the world's was a bit weird. The women's side had a ton of penalties. Um, yeah, they came out hard with like any, the first, what I'd say 10 kilometers of the race. If there's a lot of weaving in and out of busy roads to get out of a city, like there's a lot of bunching up and random accordion effects. And there's not really inherent people trying to get away with any drafting, but sometimes the, the way the course evolves, it's like, it is inevitable that you might get within six meters of somebody at some point while hitting the brakes, even if it's for two to five seconds, and that's going in and out of a corner. And I think with all that bunching up, that's where these penalties were majority called um, for the women in finland yeah i i'm kind of surprised they got so many called that early because on the at least where i was at in the men's race like i was kind of in things were strung out at that point and it in, in the early stage and then it really bunched up later um and we saw like a huge pack for uh probably like 20 to 40 or 50k into the bike or 60 there was a huge pack so that's where we were seeing more potential for penalties on the men's side it just played out a lot differently but um yeah I, I don't know like the thing is that we don't really know where or when they were calling the penalties like it's it's hard to speculate whether it was the corners or yeah or what it was um but definitely on the men's side once we got into those rollers is where the bunching was starting to happen um and so for a while I was at the very back and I was like way behind, like I was leaving like 20 to 30 meters sometimes to avoid bunching up um and then i just kind of had to keep crossing gaps but um but yeah so on the men's side we didn't see that many penalties the dq was dumb um but is what it is but i get to go head to head with lionel again this weekend this it'll probably have already happened when this episode comes out but michigan's uh, this weekend yeah man five days oh that's fierce man i can't wait for that yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, so myself, Lionel, Trevor Foley, Matt Sharp, and um, Sam Appleton's on the list. Not sure if he's going, but I believe the rest of us all are. Hopefully Sam is. Uh, give us a chance for some decent points. It's kind of like a battle of all the dudes ranked like 20 to 30th. <laughs> so we're we're uh, the B squad showing up and seeing what we can do. That's pretty you're not the B squad. Shut your stinking <laughs> mouth. 
you guys are not the B squad. I think the the what it represents is the depth of what's happening in the sport and how many people are just getting pushed into it and having great races. And I think early in the season with all the, you know, it kind of was a slow start to the season. I feel like with a lot of, you know, Sam long won almost everything for the first few races in North America. And you didn't hear a lot of the Europeans doing crazy stuff. And then they kind of like went into hibernation until Lati, And then they came out and smacked it. The PTO races were kind of, how you would expect them to go on the women's and men's side, um, aside from some of the blowups. But then I think once we hit Finland, Nice, and now these late season races, when people either dug too deep of a hole with crazy travel, getting sick, uh, going to Font Rameau and trying some altitude and not working out. And then we're seeing all these lads. Hey, 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 don't say it didn't work out yet, brother. I still got the training from that altitude boost in my, in my lungs. That's right. And you've got a, an altitude tensker, I think. Yeah. But the, the altitude definitely worked. Like I came back and like usual, I'm swimming better than I was. Um, like I was, I've been keeping up with Cody since I've been back, which I just haven't been doing at all the last few years, except for when I come down from altitude. So I know my swim is there is good and I'm feeling solid on the bike run. So just trying a bit of a different taper, pushed it a little bit more like, I trained pretty hard Sunday, Monday, Tuesday this week. So I'm really, I haven't started my taper till what, like tomorrow. So four days out, uh, pretty much a rest day. And then I'll, and then I'll kind of do some tune up after that. So we'll see how that plays out. But also that's because I'm racing the following weekend in Augusta. Um, So I've got to kind of keep the fitness pretty high coming into the first one and then see if I can put together a good second race, which Earlier this year, I did that in St. George and then whatever the second one was called, Gulf Coast, and I got third at both. So hoping for at least that good, hopefully better, and hoping to get some decent points. Uh, got to freaking keep myself in the mix. I'm going to be losing my world champs result here in whenever that is, so that's going to suck. Um, and I got to kind of stay stay relevant. Well, don't worry. I got your back. We're going to be developing a race series that excludes anybody from the top 50. So, but then I won't get any points. You'll get tons of points because we're going to have $100,000 purse and everyone's going to come up from the top 50, 49, 50. They'll be there. They'll get tons of points. Okay. But I'm like 25. So, I'm just saying, you'll still get, if we get 100 to 50, that's going to be still half right, the be Good for you guys. It'd be good for you too. I'll know? come out and cheer. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. I think you are primed to have a bit of a, I dare say, a comeback event where you're feeling that you can at least perform. That's key. Um, if you can walk away knowing that you gave a good bet, then that's every triathlete's dream, even if you come in third or third or something like that. That's a really all you can hope for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this year I've been third, third, third. DNF 27th. <laughs> Not too bad. Still got a about a tenth average. Yeah, it's true. Um, so that's kind of what's uh up for Jackson. Uh, I think Mark is gonna figure out his racing schedule, maybe I think Forta Puerta Ventura in Brazil has popped up as uh I just heard that might have been canceled. I think Matt Hansen told me that'll be canceled. There you go. That one's probably, uh, you know, may work, may not. 
we'll figure it out. Um, we got some South American racing coming up. Oh no. Ask that. He said challenge Santa Marta is canceled. Oh, shame. I think that was on everyone's radar. That, that race. I'm going to have to cancel those flights. So that's probably, uh, a lot of folks are going to pop up to the South American championship. We've got, I, I don't know if I'm breaking any news, but I don't think clash Daytona as a pro race is going to be happening. So that means pretty much we'll have 60 people at Indian Wells at the last race on North American soil for the season. I'm pretty sure. Um, so that'll be a, that'd be a dig. But our women's field. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what they're doing. I know, I know there's text threads going on within the tri squad, but I just forget. And I, my brain has been so well, busy. Let's get into that. Let's, what have you been doing that's making you give you a good excuse for forgetting what our women are doing on the team? Um, yeah. I, so, I feel like you haven't even been freaking home. You've been like in all these European places. He, he told me he was like, he had a week traveling between like France and Spain or something, and he trained 28 hours that week. So let's let's hear about this. Yeah, it was great, actually. So I kind of made the coaching swap to Mr. Jim Vance. And then we had a week after we maybe a week and a half or two weeks after I came back from my Michigan midseason break and then immediately whipped me back into reality. Uh, so that sucked. And then I had to go to London to manage our RTS Warriors Super League team, which I was like. This was something I put on my absolute have to do for us as a team to help build the sport, expose the brand to a, a global audience and just make RTS a bit more of a, you know, a brand that people can rely on for care, results, fun, um, and just a good company who cares about everything triathlon forward. So that's why I knew all the marketing and building a, an American team um, for this kind of the, the, I guess the premier league of triathlon when it comes to Olympians, I, I forget how many gold and silver and bronze medals we had amongst London and Toulouse, but it was massive. So went to London, I'm working crazy hours. I'm making sure I'm available. I'm trying to be a personality for the sport. Lucky for me, I get to be surrounded by such amazing talent, people, creators. That was good. And then Toulouse happened. I had, I think four days in in France, which is almost by the Pyrenees, almost to Andorra, where Toulouse is, so the south of France. Um, just incredible riding. And I took my bike over there, and I just knew I had to get about 30 hours of training that week because I'm still trying to focus on a career myself. So within all the three or four days at an Airbnb, just getting up early, swimming with the Project Podium kids, which was great, 50-meter pool for like a whole week. And then getting to the Super League Hotel, training with, you know, I'm in a lane with Johnny Brownlee's next to me. Then we got Blumenfeld next to me with Hayden Wild and with him and just the who's who of, you know, who's, you know, Alexi and all that stuff. Those people who've been there, done that and creating a huge way for the short course area. And then even Blumenfeld with just doing everything. So just inspired beyond belief so i knew i had to keep the, the full gas um our team did really well the first race the warriors we were like second ranked um with points and then we really had a tough go at toulouse and the biggest problem is the olympic points catch everyone's trying to get their last qualification for their selection for the olympic 2024 in paris and that means most of our women's field is really tapped out 
trying to, I mean, Gwen Jorgensen's won two races in the last couple weeks. Gina Serrano um, also won. We've got Chase McQueen who did really well. So we've got some Olympic caliber athletes who are trying to get their slot. Taylor Spivey needs Pontevedra is like the last auto qual opportunity, I think. And that's and maybe this weekend and the next weekend. I think it's the next weekend. So that's a big one for the, everybody shooting for those Olympic tattoos. So anyways, I just kind of had to do my job, try to build the sport for USA. RTS is doing everything we can to invest and be relative and help the, the short course transition to long course opportunity between Project Podium and us. And then also we've got cool investors who want other companies to succeed. So we're, you know, we're trying to buy into companies who are doing well. And this is just with the only goal of all this is to generate enough income through all of our, you know, all of our work to support long course triathlon. Um, the short course stuff with super league is easier to broadcast and get people behind, but we want of all, all of our long course athletes to still have a great life and not just be, dying for prize money and Jackson, I mean, hate to say it, but this hasn't been as a lucrative year for you in terms of podiums and bonuses. So I'm sure it sucks. Um, uh, well, I'm all right. I'm just, I mean, uh, I know you're all right and you've been smart about everything you have done, but it's just, it's just an extra and even Collins cup not happening. It's like people are the, the, the variability index of triathlon has been quite high for probably that position 20 to eight in the world rankings. I think everybody above that has done, it's done well this year for sure. So yeah, I think that's our main goal anyways, as a team. Yeah, I know the, definitely the variabilities, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it encourages like you to make more conservative decisions because let's say I didn't do worlds and I was like, okay, I'll do us open and then I'll go do some of these smaller ones around. Like I would have made way more money um but you take that gamble and if you have that really good day like i i still think at worlds like i'm capable with the way that race played out i'm still capable of getting into that league group i really am i didn't have a very good swim i dropped my freaking cap and lost more time trying to go back for that like i just i don't know i need to do better at getting there and actually doing what i can do i know i'm better than what i've been doing these last few months so that's the frustrating part. Uh, and I'm just like kind of pissed off that I can't just learn these lessons more quickly. Like I've had those days where I show up and I perform really fucking well. And then some, somehow I don't have the formula figured out for what was it that made that happen. So, um, and I don't think it's a training. I think it's more like the prep leading, like the last little bits of prep, like what am, that's important because you have to be so sharp to get into that league group when you're a bubble guy like me, like you can't afford to be a little bit off. If you're Mark Dubrick and you're 2% off in the swim, you're still getting out of the league group. Yeah. Right? So that's the little things I need to kind of hone in, but um, that's where racing at these kind of smaller races, lower stakes, like we're going in Friday for this race for Sunday, two nights, like you just show up from your house. You pretty much the three days before. And then you're like, all you do is you go to your pro meeting, you figure out the course, drop your shit and you go race. And like, it's so much easier to get it right. Um, hopefully they have a world champs back in North America again, because that'll be nice. Yeah. It certainly seems to, it certainly seems to help you when you're racing a championship on 
not as crazy time scales and travel and everything like that. Most North Americans to that fact. Yeah. I still don't seem to have the time changes figured out. Like it's kind of been, I, I did a couple of good ones in Europe, like three, four years ago or two to three years ago now, but then since then it's been kind of crap. So yeah. um, just figuring that out. But, but in any case, that's part of the learning. And uh, when you have a bit of, shitty results it makes the good ones feel that much better so yeah um, good to have the support of the team and by the way having mark have that breakthrough day was freaking unreal man like that was so sick to see that yeah once i was packing it in on the run everyone i saw i just kept asking how mark was doing and they're like they would be like oh he's in 12th and then i'd run like another 2k and they're like we think he's in ninth and then he gets eighth at the line that was freaking dirty yeah i think i think our team is really turned into a a strong community of people supporting each other. And I think that's the point of it is even if everybody has a bad day, the fact that one person on the team still has a crusher, it just makes your day still feel like a sting, but it takes some, it gives you something to celebrate with everybody. Um, And that's kind of what I've always felt why a team is important for a solo sport. So um, back to one of the other topics I wanted to hit the state of triathlon um we've got pto putting on those two opens u.s open and then asia or the is it the asian open is that what it's called the asian open, yeah asian open for pto yeah, yeah i just didn't know if that was pc to say like was asian open allowed yeah it's, it's in asia so it's the I'm asian making, open i'm just making sure man i don't even know <laughs> So we had those two happen and then everyone went to Finland who went from there. And then everyone who went from that race to Finland, I think mainly had some issues with illness. A few didn't, few got off. Okay. Some athletes did pack in some good cash. Taylor Nib, one of them, Ash Gentle, one of them, um, Christian Blumenfeld, one of them. And then I think with those PTO races going on and the caliber of I dare say the caliber of broadcast because I still think there's work to do. But then we had the Ironman World Championship men's race in Nice just this weekend. Clearly, for Americans, when there's a different time zone and you're waking up and they're already on the run, it takes a little bit away from the luster of the live event. And would people go back and watch it? I don't know. But I know that when it is in Hawaii, it's nice to have a a race watch party. And maybe that's like the Europeans probably can't do that because their time zones are so different too. So I think as much as it's nice to honestly get it in different countries, it's tough to really get behind a race that you can't really participate in your time zone um, or make part of your life or you've really got to work hard. And then some race has fallen off prize money, um, you know, still being high for PTO. I don't know what it was for the Ironman World Championship men's and women's race for Kona and Nice, but I don't know. It just felt, it just feels like different. How do you feel about it? About what? Just how the, the state of the sport is going? Yeah. Like, what is the Ironman 140.6 distance still something everybody's shitting their pants over? Or is the 100K distance PTO race? wow, that's the new distance people want to watch. Um, I don't know. Um, I think uh, I feel like among the actual fans of triathlon that still seems to be more or less the same group, I don't know how much traction the PTO is getting to like spread 
their wings and sort of gather a bigger audience. But among the people who are real triathlon fans at this point, I think that the 140.6 is still kind of considered like the big deal. Um, so for now, I think that's it. But I also think people really like watching the 100K. And like you watch that 100K race, it, it's three hours, basically, three and a half hours. Like it's not that crazy to watch that. Like that's the length of like a long movie. Um, so any, you know, most people, if they're into it and they kind of know about it ahead of time, they'll be like, all right, yeah, I'll watch that on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Um, but yeah, the Ironman world champs is it's just so long. And yeah, the time zones, I still think it's way better in Hawaii because even still it's like, it's starting in probably like the early evening in Europe. Um, so that's not too bad. I mean, it's, you can't really stay up for the whole thing, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it just, it seems like more or less they're not really planning around the time zones. Like I think PTO is doing it a little bit more. Um, but it'd be interesting to see like numbers of what these broadcasts are actually seeing, uh, for views. And I really don't think most people are rewatching the world champs. Like I didn't, I just woke up in the morning. It was a Sunday morning for whatever niece and they were like halfway down the run or something. And that was where I started watching. Yeah, I know it's, it's different. Um, did Ironman maybe hurt their sport, their, I guess, bubble of the sport by putting too many, too many people in Kona last year and kind of getting shunned out by the local government and, and populace by just overcrowding it things are too expensive. I mean, I don't think Kona is the answer. That's not what I'm saying. I just don't know if making the world championship as include as many people as you can was the right move to keep the championship level event as, as such. So that's where it feels like I heard comments from people not really complaining, but just saying I was offered a spot to Nice or I was offered a spot to Kona and I finished like almost last in my age group. So I think it's hard to get people to buy into this new championship system with the numbers they're trying to get there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I hope PTO sticks around. I hope Ironman can still be a, a dominant participation aspect of our sport, but I just have to say being part of the super league event and having that only be a broadcast sport, only be something that is there to entertain. It was like the WWE at Toulouse. I mean, the crashes were terrible but unavoidable when athletes are sending it so hard the disqualifications for you know helmet straps or the Hayden Wild making a mistake coming in transition riding Leo Berger doing the same thing there's just a lot of fun drama and I think there's a lot of synchronicity between these athletes because they do race multiple distances so I really hope that people can start to buy into watching almost all triathlon as much as they do any sport, but I think it has to be entertaining and fun. And a four hour, for four or three hour race is tough to watch when the broadcast is stuck to two or three butts the whole time on a bike in on a broadcast. I'd, I'd love to see some more depth in the race. That's all. Let's be honest. Triathlete butts are usually pretty minimal. <laughs> Good old fashioned pancake, but that's what we are looking for in this sport. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it has a ways to go for sure. The Super League stuff's crazy. Um, it's it's definitely fun to watch, and 
made to be fun to watch. Um, so there's stuff that can be learned from that for sure. But yeah, we'll see what happens. We just got to keep showing up and taking the chances we're given. So um, hopefully people still like watching it at some point here. Um, so on that, in terms of races that are going to be happening, people can watch. What are you doing the rest of the year, my friend? I heard something about a Mexican destination. Yeah, so this, not this weekend, but when you're in Augusta, I'm going to go race in 70.3 Cozumel, and then I'm going to go straight from Cozumel to Malibu for the Super League race there, which is looking to be our American kind of grandstand of our team. We've got the best top-ranked Olympic women that we could get our hands on and the best-ranked men. Uh, Morgan Pearson's already you know, in for the Olympics in Paris. He's going to come race with us. We've got still Chase, Seth. Um, and some other, you know, talents. I don't want to do Well, Dubrick is not going to do Malibu, but he'll be in there for Saudi Arabia and Neom. I, I mean, I'll just come out and say it. I had to make a tough call, honestly. And this is part of why it sucks to be a team manager who is putting athletes in and out of positions to perform. I know Mark came off of an exceptional performance at 70.3 worlds. And then, at Toulouse, when we put him in, he probably wasn't set up for the best day given that performance he had at Worlds. And it was only one week later. He didn't have a lot of time on his road bike, but still. And his luggage got delayed and he was all messed up in travel and stuff. Yeah, it was not ideal. But even so, his bike handling, I think, needs some work in the Super League sport. Um, and I think a couple of weeks to fix that, especially with all the commitments he had in Nice wasn't really going to work. And then he did mention that they didn't make the swim a priority, him and his coach. And I was kind of pissed about that because we talked with him and his coach about how valuable super league we needed him to be on top of it. And it's like, you guys didn't put him in a good position to have the best super league event. And that wasn't the priority. So it is what it is. So bottom line, the young fella, 18 year old sub four minute miler, who's also a good triathlete. His name's Reese Vanderson. He's gotten us eight points at every race guaranteed. And that's as good as finishing eighth place, which let's face it, he probably would finish, you know, outside the top 15 or right there. So he wouldn't have gotten as much points, maybe one or two, but he can take the fastest run split for every race and get eight points for the fastest run. And then he also will get paid out 15 grand at the end of the race series for having the total accumulated run points for the entire series. So like I would have been called an idiot if I didn't put Reese in there and give him a chance to hold that run split bonus and get us eight points. Because again, this is a team event and I've got 10 other athletes who are trying to get team money from finishing second or third place in this series and getting a bigger paycheck. So if I don't make every point count, I'm the asshole. So it was a hard call and I had to, it doesn't sound like that hard of a call to me. Well, it's hard because I had to tell Mark and I had to yeah. be like, Hey man, we got to go with a guaranteed eight points. And I'm sorry about that. But I still think given the time and preparation he has for Neom and Saudi Arabia, I think Mark's going to be a great asset there. There's no doubt in my mind. So hopefully he still comes out and, I think we're going to go do a, he might come spectate the race, have fun, and we'll go do something afterwards and try to get him a, a bike partner sponsorship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is ripping her. Mike is getting stronger on the bike every freaking race, man. I swear it takes me longer and longer to pass that bastard. <laughs> yeah. This time I caught him at 
I probably passed him at like 65 K maybe about that on the bike. He was like one of the later guys to lose that second group. And then I did put a lot of time into him the last bit, but he freaking flew on the run boys. He yeah, really that, flew. That was unreal. I, I can't wait to see what he does. I can't wait to see what you do. I know you Lionel and Trevor Ravioli are going to give her a real good rip. Uh, Trevor yeah. Ravioli. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Trevor's a great guy, but, I don't know why, because Foley can rhyme with so many things. <laughs> He's Trevor Goley. I don't know. I've heard a few others. Um, so, yeah, you're doing Cozumel, and then... Oh, yeah, sorry. And then I'll do Super League, and then probably Cabo uh, with... We're doing think... Cabo. Yeah, we're, I think we're going to have... Cabo. We're going to have a bunch of RTS there, trying to get everybody we can. That's going to be a sick race. And then I've got a go to Saudi Arabia for Neom. And then I've got Garrick's wedding and then a U2. And then I got Iron Man Cosmo. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How are you doing Neom and his wedding? It must be the same weekend. It'll be before. I think his wedding's first. I think his wedding's the 12th, right? Yeah. And then I think it's, no, so wait, Neom's in October. So that's clear. And then I go to, Training Cabo's the first weekend in November. Yep. And then Cabo, then Garrett's mm-hmm. wedding. Yeah. And then I've got Ironman full distance Cozumel, which I'm going to go try and really <laughs> podium in that. Jeez. Just call him Nick, the Mexico racing man. There's Chase. nothing else, man. There's nothing. I didn't want to go to Brazil. I didn't want to go to freaking Israel. Um, I didn't, that's a huge travel from the West coast. It's just made sense logistically to get those. And I've done Cozumel full and half and Cabo. So it just makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to make sure you'll never get a penalty in Mexico, just get, <laughs> just get MEX on your kit, big letters. <laughs> and just maybe a green, green version of the kit and you'll be good. Well, I've already got really good tan. So I think I'll pass no matter what. Yeah. Just make sure you don't have any USA, nothing. Nope. That's not good. Uh, I'm going to put some white, red, and green on my body. <laughs> well, it seems like we've uh, pretty well gotten through what we can get through today. It's been I haven't talked to Nick for more than a few minutes in a while, so this has been fun. Yeah, this has been great, man. And, and uh, of course, are, are any of your races going to be broadcasted? I don't actually I haven't even looked. I I wouldn't be shocked if if michigan and or um augusta are they probably they're doing most of the american ones yeah um so one or the other probably will and then indian wells was last year but i don't think it is this year and then Cabo probably won't so hopefully hopefully one of these two are get that rts up there and And yeah and then follow on from this you'll hear from race ranger who we are huge advocates for especially with all the hard work and tech and i think that the tech advantage advantages for this are outside of just drafting i think for the professional athletes it's vital to have this 20 meter and 12 meter draft zone easily identified by us and the referees and then athletes who are getting more negative time which is like if you're close more often than not that's the seconds are ticking and then you can figure that out. But I think for the age group demographic, if this ever rolls into hypothetically an Ironman event, if you put this transponder on your bike, you'll obviously get the draft, non-draft signals, but real-time 
location of your athlete for the entire race. I think that is the most beneficial thing to know exactly where your person is because the tracker takes speed at the timing mat and position at the timing mat. And then you could blow up, you could get a flat. You're not going to be at the next predicted timing mat within whatever range and they don't know where the hell you are. So I think that's where race ranger also has additional technological advantage or whatever advantages. That's the, that's the word. And I think that's kind of what we're hoping for is that they get put into mass participation events. So when you see race ranger as an option one day, opt in for it, it'll probably cost you a little extra, but I think it'll add a lot more value to your experience. And maybe one day they'll make that as like, if you don't buy into race ranger, you can't be qualified for a championship event or something like that. I don't know. There has to be some way to make sure that it's right. Maybe not. Maybe that's yeah, just. I think expanding it to the age group level would be tough um, just in terms of the numbers and, and complexity of having to set every unit up and all that stuff. But um, I think there's potential there, or maybe it could be an option and there's some perks that go with it or something like that. But yeah. um Definitely for the pro side, it needs to just come in and uh, needs to be at every pro race, in my opinion. And I don't think it's that hard. Like, it's not that crazy to do that. No. And they've got the kits. Now they're just waiting to integrate with the referees to give them the data on the tablet that would be on the driver's back. So I think that's the, the last phase of this thing, getting better data and then giving the people who actually have to make calls <laughs> opportunities to make the right call, not just like, yeah, I think he was... Yeah, it's probably no, he's safe. He's safe for sure. For sure safe. And you're <laughs> definitely not. Let's call zero penalties just to be safe and then let <laughs> all the really fucked up penalties just let them ride. <laughs> yeah. Let's put an end to that era. Well, cool. Well, hey, dude, this is awesome. Thanks for hanging with me. We'll get another episode next weekend. Next week. Is this on video podcast? We're gonna throw the video podcast up because we haven't done that in a minute either. Perfect. And uh, join our Patreon, support the team. You'll get a, you can get a shirt and stuff like that. And Jackson will send you a full body shot posing in the mirror once a week. That right. might have to go for a different price, but. <laughs> All right. Peace out. out for now. James, 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 thank you so much. It is great to have you back on the show. We've really had a lot of growth on everything. You know, we just got through our big Super League push. PTO has just had the U.S. and Asian Open and other large events throughout the old sport have just gone crazy with, I mean, just a lot of drama. And what have you been doing throughout all of this and where have you been in the last couple of months? Yeah, it's been a pretty crazy few months. Um, so we did uh, Ibiza in, in May, um, and that was two races for us. It was a Saturday for the PTO and the Sunday for the uh, World Triathlon Long Distance Champs, which was a pretty um, testing, you know, good test for us for a turnaround of events from one to the other. Um, and then the week after, we did another little race, uh, a local race in Spain, the Spanish National Long Distance Champs. And actually... Um, that was a really good lesson. It, it really chucked down with rain the entire race. And um, it was a full Ironman distance race. And we had um, probably about five or six out of the 70 units being used uh, actually took on some water. 
which was um, really good to find out. Um, we had done a whole lot of water testing and you know, waterproofing, but um, initially the devices we have at the moment started out as kind of looks nice prototypes. They weren't really meant to become uh, an in-race unit and it just sort of evolved into, okay, we need to actually use these in-races. Let's try and waterproof them. Um, and yeah, it turned out that uh, it wasn't as waterproof as we thought, which was really good to learn. Um, so uh, from there, we got them all back to New Zealand. It was a bit of a mission. I, Because they've got batteries in them, I can't fly with them. They have to go on DHL, air freight. Uh, you know, it's like a big drama to book it. And uh, so we, I had to leave them there in Spain. And um, about a, yeah, a few weeks later, basically, because they some of them had water in them, we didn't know which had and which hadn't. We had to remove the batteries to be able to air freight them again because of the dangers of the batteries. And uh, so I basically had to fly a, a young Kiwi guy who was based in the UK over to Spain, rent a car, pick them up, go to France, pick up the other set, basically do a three-day mission, open them all up and remove the batteries and then be able to freight them back. So a bit of a rework through, um, well, that was probably June. Um, and then we started preparing for our next bookings, which were um, in, uh, we had, gosh, where did we go? In August, I went to Milwaukee and back from New Zealand. So quite a trip. And then a quick turnaround again to Paris. So um, mm. I was, uh, we're at the Paris test event. Uh, I've, I've still got a day job at Specialized. I've uh, had that yeah, over, over 10, 11 years now. I've, I've now resigned, but um, I've had quite limited leave. So these trips have been, you know, fly in night before the race uh, kind of thing, quite, quite tight to be able to. Well, last uh, time we spoke, you were still with Specialized. So man, things must be going well. You, you were like, yeah, well, I, we still got some investors who were like, hey, if you need to pump the brakes and just work on this full time, we got you. So that's great. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I've, I've put the notice in now and I'm still there at the moment. But, um, yeah, it's a bit bit more free, which is good. Um, yeah, so we went to Paris. And, and so in Paris, we we're doing the, the para test event. Obviously not the draft legal um, world triathlon series type stuff, but the para guys uh, who, who race draft legal, guys and girls. and um, yeah, that was a great experience working on the on the bridge there um, at where transition was, and um, yeah, a whole lot of protocol around that event. Just you know, obviously Olympic level, everything is basically as if it was the Olympics. Uh, so you've got um, you know massive security. Uh, you have to. I had to book the time of day I was going to arrive with my gear, what the number plate of the vehicle was, all this kind of thing to be able to get in and out the venue. Um, bomb bomb sweeps, you know, next level stuff. And uh, we had to, months ahead, we had to explain which frequencies and, and wireless technologies we're using so that they didn't interfere with, with other things at the venue, just like the highest level of anything you can imagine. So really good to get through that. Um, and yeah, back home in New Zealand now. And next week I'm going to um, over to Europe again uh, for the uh, Pontevedra, the last race of the Paris series ah, uh, in Spain. It's a big race. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and uh, then I'll yeah, go to a couple of meetings um, in uh, in Europe and come home. So another little two-week trip. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the, our last race we've got planned at the moment. And then we're going to, um, because of the issues we found with the waterproofing and a number of other improvements we want to make, we're going to build a, a fresh set of units, which are more of a product than a, a prototype. They're going to be a lot more robust and you know really well waterproofed. Um, which will be in use, you know, next next year, um, and hopefully for a couple of years, it'll last us. 
And uh, yeah, as a calendar for next year starts, starts taking shape, start taking those bookings and um, working out, you know, how many we actually need if, if we get a double booking, how many are going to be at one race, how many get the, the next, that kind of thing, where they're going to be. You know, there's, we don't know where these PTO races are yet and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we're, we're expecting that announcement this week, I believe. Um, this is the week of the 5th or 4th of September. So I think we're supposed to hear some venues, right? Cool. I thought it was October, but now would be great. So. Well, someone, I don't know. There's news everywhere, <laughs> and I don't know which news I'm getting that's accurate. But to to the point of more racing, it sounds like the need has been validated through and through. And now you've you've taken that need and you've designed. So, like, I guess what the, what's going to change within the overall aesthetic, and maybe some high level, you know addresses you needed to make on the technological side what what are two things yeah so the um the enclosures won't like how they look probably won't change a hell of a lot uh we'd love to make it a bit smaller if we can um and because these are going to be just for pro use we can probably shrink the battery down a fair bit which takes up a lot of the space in there um but that, we're just that starting means, that means you won't need the full you know 16 hour yeah, we've got them, you know, they'll they'll run all day. Like we used them at an Ironman earlier in the year and none of them, you know, got below 60% of their battery life. Wow. So there's pl plenty of juice in there. And if they, you know, if we're just going to be keeping them for pros and they're just for a season, um, we can probably reduce that size. But um, yeah, we're going to we're gonna kick that off tomorrow. Actually, we're going to have a meeting up in Christchurch with all the, the engineers and designers and um, start the process of the redesign and, and you know, reevaluate what we've got and, and what needs to change. Well, um, real quick, like yeah. that 2032 CR 2032 little battery we put in our power meters and literally seems like everything within this sport. Um, what's the, what's the, how would it drain that versus what you all have? I couldn't give you the numbers, but that's quite a bit smaller. Yeah. So these are, if you imagine, um, you know how you used to be able to take cell phone batteries out of your phone and they sort of had that foil around them. Yeah. These are like those, they're sort of flat and they're, um, yeah, they're, they're probably about the third of the size of those. They're 1500 milliamps for the technical people out there. Wow. Um, at, at the moment. So they're not massive, but they're, yeah, they're quite, they're quite substantial. There's a lot going on that they need to power. Okay. Um, yeah. Lighting, obviously situational awareness and the communication with other brains around the area. Um, okay. So a couple few, a couple changes there. I think I do have some questions in, in their actual operation during races, but um, you know, I want to, kind of first and foremost how do you you said you mentioned it's going to be just for professional athletes now as a business model i know when we first had you on it was like we'd like to scale this to mass participation and i think you know we were all kind of scratching our heads as to like would people accept that is it really necessary and well i guess after lati was seeing the massive penalties like everywhere um have you gotten more requests from the age group demographic and what is that looking like from the initial let's outfit the entire field to oh well maybe right now we just stick for the professionals how's that really kind of evolution taking place yeah no definitely still um heading towards age group use that's our that's where we're going um we see the pros as a as a great way to get the age groupers to understand it and kind of um you know we are getting a lot of requests for, hey, when's this coming to age groups? Um, we've done a whole lot of market research with um, various age groupers from, 
all around the world, mainly obviously Europe and North America, different sexes, different ages, some people who are just going into their first 70.3 or Ironman, some are, who are lifetime athletes and, um, you know, overwhelming messages that, yeah, people do want this. They're prepared to um, pay a bit more on their entry fee for it. It would make... Uh, how, how much? Make, yeah, that's the, that's the question. So we won't put any numbers out there yet because it's not, we're not still at the stage with the events, but okay. a reason, you know, a reasonable amount. So obviously you, you, you get this focus group type thing where you get a one-on-one -on -one interview with someone, explain what it's all about uh, without trying to be too salesy with it. Cause you want them to, you want them to keep a, like a, an objective view. And then you throw, you throw some numbers at them and it's sort of, do you consider this number to be cheap, expensive or no way get out of town? Um, and the expensive ones, what you kind of, where you end up. So what like we're, what they're telling us. 99. <laughs> uh, that's, that's probably more at the higher end. So yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, we're, we're comfortable that people are happy to pay for it. They see the benefit in it, not only in making their race fairer, but um, you know, in those busy races, keeping everyone apart would be just a lot safer. And, and obviously safety has been a, a big concern and issue this year at those hectic races. So um, yeah, we, uh, and you know, we've got other things we want to add to it, like the improved live tracking with the Ironman tracker. Yeah. That was my next question. Are you able to, to key these units with an actual transponder that correlates to a race bib? Uh, yeah, they, they definitely link to the bib. Um, what we're going to do with the so obviously we need to connect them to the referees yet so we've just got this this light system at the moment which is being used by the athletes and the referees uh, to varying degrees but we really need to get that connection going to the referees so that they have a tablet in front of them uh, with information that they can view you know relatively remotely and when we have actually the infrastructure we need to achieve that is can also be used to improve the live tracking so those are two other projects we're going to build up this year as well awesome yeah um i was thinking how this could be a valuable technology for the even non-draft um for the, for the itu or short course racing and i think situational awareness of every athlete on course as you have like in formula one when you look at the track you can see exactly where verstappen is versus logan Sargent, who might be lapped or whatever it just lets the crowd and the audience and the officials know well the moto's coming up on these this lapped athlete etc i think situational awareness on course is a big lack especially for the viewer who only usually gets to see the very tippy end of the course so i think there's way more applications that this technology probably has opened doors for and that's probably my next question is what are the un you know, you, you intended to kind of eliminate the problem with drafting. That was race rangers main goal and situational awareness for the athlete to know how close they are between athletes. What other doors have opened now that you've established this technology and, you know, where does this look like it? Like what are the three and four other things that you can do now? Yeah, we're trying to stay really focused on triathlon because that's what we know. And, and, uh, you know, we have the connections there and the good understanding of the problem. Uh, and we want, also don't want to spread our focus too wide. There's enough um, enough issues just with that one complicated yeah. problem as it is. But, um, you know, obviously there's cycling there with their time trials. Um, there's also the problem with motorbikes in both our sports, uh, as, you, as you said. Um, you know, with a fairly small um, adaptation to the hardware, um, it'd actually be a, an easier problem for us to solve um, the drafting off the motorbikes. So we see that as a, as a bit of an opportunity that down the line we could go after. But as you say, like um, 
getting an understanding of who's around you and how far away they are, where they're positioned, and then using that in some way is something we want to do down the line for sure. Uh, if you can imagine, let's say the Tour de France, you've got a stage of the race and for, for whatever reason, whether it's the motorbikes or improving the broadcast, these devices are on the bikes um, and they, they know which riders directly in front of them, beside them, four back, five in front. Uh, and we somehow can capture that either through uh, putting a SIM card in each of them, which we don't currently do, or having a, you know, like a listening station on the motorbikes or the race vehicles around them at the front and the back of the Peloton. Uh, and they have a you know, strong internet connection and we can capture that bunch um, positioning and, and sort of uh, you know, create a graphic of, of where everyone is in relation to each other. There's some pretty cool stuff that you could be doing with that, I think. Um, and it's very, you know, it's not just a, a rough GPS pinpoint. It's, you know, it's, it's very, very accurate measurements around you. So if we can get that out, you know, there's, there's graphics you could put on the broadcast, but then we, you know, start thinking about things like, Zwift or, or Ruby or Full Gas, these kind of platforms, you could represent the riders as they are in the Peloton, um, you know, rubbing shoulders, etc. You could then, you know, buy a pass to ride the last two hours of stage seven. And whether it's, you know, it'll be it'd be a couple of weeks after the fact to start with, probably to, to yeah. create it. But one day, let's go one day, 10 years, 15 years, you log in and you're actually in the race while it's happening. So instead of just watching the tour on the couch, you're rubbing shoulders with, um, you know, Van der Poel and, and all these guys and moving yourself through the bunch and you'd level your FTP with, you know, you'd, you'd baseline out the FTP so that, um, you know, if you put a bit of it, you basically so you can keep up. Yeah. yeah. So you just want to make sure you can keep contact and otherwise no fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you kind of feel like you're in the race as it's happening and you could feed the director sportifs, you know, commentary into, into your headphones as if you're actually in the race. Um, maybe we could even capture the audio on each rider so that if you move from say Cavs wheel past him, you might have, you might say something to the guys he rides past him and, you know, you move up to the front you can hear the team actually yelling at each other as the lead out train comes together and that kind of thing. So, and the pings of the gears, but yeah, um, yeah. who knows, who knows? We've got a, got a lot of ideas, but as I say, trying to stay real focused on the, the issue at hand, it's complicated enough. And it is. Um, yeah, we think it's a nice little, you know, niche to start with for us. So. Okay. So where you started, where you are now, some of the, the problems you've found, I think one of the major problems, and I'd like to hear if you have, you know, a, a solution that's in the books on this is uh, the travel aspect that you're having to carry these transponders with the batteries. And, you know, what is that going to look like once you have, you know, 2000 units that are at multiple races around the world, are you just going to have maybe a geographical hub probably that you're just sending within country once everything's set up exactly yeah so the plan is to when we make that first you know large set and even for next year you know when we're, we're doing a proper season to have a set that's just based in europe um, and a set that's in the us or wherever it need to be um when you get to that sort of scale you don't want to be air freighting it'd just be a huge like a container almost fallen and um yeah having a a, a large van or a truck that can house the uh, the how the the, uh, the charging apparatus that they all will go into and move from race to race, and all the gear to deliver at the event. It's basically kind of like the timing company, but probably with a bigger vehicle and a couple more people. It could actually be the timing company. Who knows? But uh, I've got some yeah. ideas on that too. 
Huh. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk some more after after this show uh, offline, real quick, about um, ways we could probably help with that too. Cool. Yeah. But okay. um, yeah, next year for sure. Me in a little van driving around Europe will be how how it's working probably. Yeah, I could I could see that being fun, but then being like, fuck, another weekend <laughs> on the road dealing with these dirty transponders, age groupers, and pro athletes. <laughs> Um, I know it's it's alluring for the first bit, but once once you've been doing it for yeah. a few years, I'm sure it's a grind. So I know this this labor of love you've been putting in has to have been a bit draining here and there. Um, on the, oh on yeah, the definitely, line. definitely, it's been um, been challenging, but you know it's just like being an athlete. You know you got to got to have the good days and the bad days. You just got to keep plugging and take little steps and keep moving forward. Well, uh, being on the other side of the thing, um, you know, having managed the Super League team in London and France the past two weeks, um, I can tell you that, and I I don't know if I'll get canceled for saying this, but it's been a lot easier to be an athlete than actually on the other side of the event where you're stressing about 10 other things. Be, I mean, when you're an athlete, you're just focused on yourself and what you can do on the day. But you don't really look around at all the moving parks, even the the stands where the bikes are, the racks, the bins, the, the gating, like everything requires this massive movement and just being part of the broadcast and being on camera and understanding what they're doing. Like there is a very expensive show going on all around you every time you show up for a massive Ironman event. And that has been crazy to me. And I think it's been the most exhausting aspect working with Super League is that I'm more stressed out on race day than any athlete probably is because I'm, I can't participate. I, I can't do it. Um, so I'm sure you've all had to experience that and probably the, un, it looks organized to regular people, but man, shit is not as organized as it looks. Yeah, no, it's, um, events are crazy. Events are so stressful to be in the event business would just be a nightmare. I, I was a, a bit of an event organizer for, for Specialized here in New Zealand for a while, did all that conferences and things. And yeah, nothing more stressful than an event preparation. Yeah. And, you know, you, you get appreciation for, oh, they've got porta potties. How'd they get here? Oh, they've got six of them. Wow. Good effort. You know, and you, you see the breakdown in the, in the build. It's, it's pretty impressive. But, Even um, the mechanic, yeah. like that mechanic who you're just like dying to have help you, like there's, a thousand people who've come to him with this him or her with the same thing and that person has just been not eaten not gone to the bathroom for four hours just so they yeah. can take care of you so anyways a bit of a tangent but um i've seen these units in operation specifically at the pto events and this has kind of been something that's been a bit of a sore subject i think the pto with all their intentions have been doing everything they can to create a positive name for their venues their sport interpretations of the rules and what we've seen what we've seen this year is kind of a, lo a lot of lessons learned I'll, I'll call them in a very nice way um and when, specifically when it comes to the drafting aspect um having spoken with athletes at pto um us open because that was I mean, the broadcast for me was like, well, here's four people for the entire event that I will, that's all I'm going to watch, I guess. That's all they're giving me. So I was really paying attention to the spacing and kind of the the indicators on the broadcast that are just like landmarks we all use, like the spacing of the lines, et cetera. And it seemed as though 
And I'd love to hear your feedback because I'm sure you collected all this data from the athletes themselves and whatever you can tell me, it'd be great. Um, it's still up to the referees to call penalties, right? It's still up to the, the external source of the race to make sure that these athletes are following the rules. And I heard that a lot of athletes were still letting that red light come on a lot more often or it wasn't red. I think it was, what, what, what were the colors again? Can you run that through? Yeah, so if you're in the drafting zone, it's a red flashing light. Red flashing, uh, it's, yeah. It's on more than it's off. So it's about on for about 75%, off for 25%. So it's hard to miss, but it is flashing. Uh, the other two are solid. So then you go into an or um, sorry, a blue light, two meters, and an orange light for three meters. Yeah, and I saw that you had put actual graphics on most bikes that I've seen come out of these events to show the athlete at, as a reference point at all times. This is what it means. So I heard there was a lot of red flashing lights and not a lot of things done about it. Um, and I think it still falls on the organization, right? Like this is a tool that you've organized and why, I mean, do you have anything you can say is why PTO wasn't really as effective at still use, using the technology and were there, I heard there was like some delays sometimes with the red light, sometimes it would not seem to be changing as fast as maybe the mind is processing it. Yeah. So, um, on the referee side, so we, um, we're only as good, I guess, as the, the worst interpretation or the worst referee. And, um, you know, with the 20 meters, there's 45 seconds to make a pass. So I don't think we can take, um, TV or, or people riding past you and seeing some red flashing lights with, with too much, uh, you know, seriousness, but when you do hear it from the athletes who are in the train and they're saying, you know, so-and-so was just sitting there all day, then that's, that's annoying for me. And um, it really reinforces that we need to get that next step going where the worst, you know, the drafting information, uh, we're calling it illegal time. So if you're over the 45 seconds or you're multiple, you're entering and dropping out many times, uh, that's being flagged to the referee and you go to the top of a hit list basically. Um, we need to get that that going pretty quick. Um, but you know, at the moment, it's it's um, it's great for the athletes because they can tell what distance they're at pretty accurately. They um, they don't have that anxiety of oh, is the referee going to think differently because they you know it's clear this is I'm in the blue or I'm in the I'm in the red now I'm going to drop back to the blue or I'm in the orange. It's, you know, I'm, I know I'm at a safe distance and the referee thinks the same thing. Um, obviously, there's still some athletes who are now going oh well if there's no ref there I'm just going to it's going to push the rules a little bit and you know this is where it's still a referee's decision and they have to they have to act on it so um i mean end of the day with those pto races while 20 meters and all the distances uh, while well, you're riding are a lot closer than we expect they they feel close um you're at 20 meters so even if you're pushing it to 18 you're doing a lot better than if you were at you know at 10 meters so yeah i think the races generally are, are pretty fair there's some athletes that, um, you know, people will talk to you about at the bar after the race. Oh, this guy, every race or this girl, you know, I yell at her and she's, she does it every time. But um, I don't think those, that's going to go on much longer. And I don't think uh, they're going to get away with it, you know, as clearly. Um, we don't, the lights aren't that visible on the broadcast, which is uh, something we can improve as well. But I, I mean, don't know it if could, it's something that you want or not. <laughs> could be a yeah. good thing. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, you know, on the whole, the majority of athletes are pretty happy now that, you know, they can race clean and they know they're clean. 
they know the referee's not going to ping them for, you know, they can just focus on their race and they don't have to worry about, am I too close? Does the referee agree? Anxious the whole way. That makes sense. And I think even a short-term solution could be, since there are multiple laps with a lot of the PTO races, is you just put a hub in transition that every time the athletes roll through, it collects that, um, what, what, what did you call it when you're in the zone? Negative Illegal time. time. Yeah. yeah, that collects negative time each lap. And before the race, you could say, all right, we understand this and this hat happens. However, if you come through on a lap and you've got over three minutes negative time, um, just we're going to be watching you. And then if that happens again, then you're going to be in trouble. So I think even if the refs aren't doing their job, like the data is the data. And, you know, I think with passing, going back and forth, there's a lot of things to consider, but it just feels like, from a central central control unit, oftentimes what we've always had problems with, and this we saw this in Lati with Lionel Sanders versus Christian Blumenfeld, who did cross mm-hmm. the center line on camera and was not penalized versus Lionel. But it just depends on who's there at the time. So we've got a, still a lot of objectivity between um, referees even. So to take away all that, even a hub in the center that does collect the data um, that even a, a head ref in a, in a booth can make calls to the other refs and have communication. I think that's the biggest thing is the communication between um, referees just could get, we could improve on that if we want a more clean race. Now, obviously we don't want to infringe and make it more complicated and more expensive. I mean, it's going to get more expensive before it gets cheaper because this technology and everything has to be implemented and then pared down. Um, but would you say that in the interim, that hub is a possibility or is, you might may or even have that already in, in mind? Um, yeah, it's a way to do it. We're, we're pretty quickly going to go to the um, speaking to the referees. So there's going to be, yeah, they're going to have a basically like a modem on the motorbike with them, uh, which is listening to everything around them. And that will show them the worst offenders where they are uh, in relation to that motorbike and the, the latest data. In, in real time so okay. um yeah it, it's a, it's another it's another way of doing it but yeah yeah, yeah most most races yeah most don't really have that that central you think of a referee in a in a, in a prefab building behind a desk the head referees are out in the course and it, it's very very rare that you'd have a referee uh actually sitting back in a in a nice air-conditioned unit making calls like that unfortunately yeah i mean that would be on a short course format where you've got you know maybe 15 to 25 minute loops. I think that the possibility of that is, is higher, obviously, but the long sprawled out race, you, the po- the problem is these refs can't be everywhere. So you collecting the data and giving that to some way to, you know, condense it all into really one strong package. Obviously the hardware can do what it can do, but the software side, you know, with AI and all these new technologies coming out, there's probably some crazy ways to put stats versus whatever you might want to see. So I'm sure the software side is where you all are really just geeking out. Yeah, exactly. Like you can do anything with software and, and uh, you can build anything really these days, you know, Elon Musk can land a rocket upside down on a, on a <laughs> boat. It's um, you can do anything if you really want to <laughs> just for our little sport. We just need to uh, figure out what's the most important, but you know, incrementally and um and improve what we can so that we uh don't run out of money <laughs> and yeah uh, yeah and I, it all comes to nothing yeah i think this the way you've all have done it 
in the scale and kind of getting it out there, it's been really smart. You haven't you haven't done what a lot of organizations have done within this sport is just come out guns blazing without, you know, with this somewhat proven concept concept. And then after a few years, it's unsustainable. It's not re received well and it fails. So I really like the stepped approach you all have taken. I'm sure that's just because it's a, it's a Kiwi. It's just how you all think you're very conservative and then you make it, make it better. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, yeah, little ste little steps, but like it, it seemed, yeah, you know, on the outside it looks like little steps, but there's a lot going on in the background. So yeah, I can't wait. Um, so yeah, I think anything else um you can share with the the growth, future opportunities where you're. I mean, I know you the PTOs probably want you at more of the races, um, because obviously the athletes at 20 meters need that more than anybody on course to make sure that they're riding safe. But what is the outlook in the next? year going to be yeah i think next year is going to be really big for us as i say i've just uh resigned from my job and uh, the plan is to move my family and i over to europe um from about march april and do a full season there um serving yeah anyone who will have us really um and yeah, as i say this, there's obviously this new pto series going to be announced soon and uh the world triathlon collaboration i think is really interesting um it, I, from what I understand and what I probably expect is that um, that's going to mean the level of officiating is going to be as if it's at a World Series event or yeah. World Triathlon. So there's there's a whole, um, you know, if you go into the World Triathlon website and have a dig around there and you go into their like documents and downloads section, there's obviously the competition rules, which is a huge document, which has been worked on and refined over a number of years. But then there's a, also an event manual which basically is if you want to have an event sanctioned at different tiers by world triathlon you have to meet xy xyz you know a million different standards it's quite a it's quite a um you know a challenge for an event to to meet this uh, yeah you know, for, got, i think for cup races they pretty much just have to have water yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah if you've you've competed in those events you go to a continental cup and it's pretty basic you know someone hand <laughs> hand paints the one two three on the podium that kind of thing yeah. But, you know, when you get to that top World Series level, it's, you know, the exact, the transition may not be uh, less, what you know, narrower than X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. There's every standard you can think of. And so, and the officials that go to those events are the top level trained event officials. And they're, you know, they're volunteers, but it's it's kind of like their sport. They they go to events, a few events a year. And, and you know, the pinnacle is getting picked to officiate the Olympic Games. Um, and that kind of level of officials and organization um, under those frameworks of the competition standards and the, you know, the event manual uh, are going to now be applied, I think, I understand, to PTO events, which will um, just be night and day over, I think, what they have currently. Um, you know, they currently have a guy who's, who's doing a, you know, his best. He's um, sort of, I guess, the Jimmy Riccatello of Ironman, the equivalent of PTO, Thomas, um, German guy. And he's obviously dealing with with what he's given on the day you know he's got some usat refs one week i don't know probably singapore federation supplied some volunteers in singapore and and they just kind of do their best but i think that um that whole level will increase and we'll see uh see some changes there yeah the pto will probably hire out a traveling set of refs that they can fly around once they get the funding for that i think some consistency is the biggest problem we all have in this sport is when you go to race in mexico it's, so there could be a guy in a 
shitty moped with a shirt on next to you that says official and there's just crap happening all over the place and you're yelling at him to do something he just looks at you and he just wags wags his finger and then after the race you ask him why and he's like we don't really understand a lot of the rules that well so we kind of just uh stay we look for the big ones and i'm like this is not consistent what are you doing yeah yeah no it's a lot of lot of things a lot of things going out there but um no, I think things generally heading in a good direction for the sport. And yeah, as I say, um, we'd love to be at all those PTO events. I think that's sort of the direction things are going. And then um, a whole lot based in Europe. Um, you know, there's a lot of racing in Europe to to keep us busy. So yeah, um, you know, there's probably the, we're, we're building up to the, the Paris Paralympic event. So there's sort of a World Cup series of those we'll, we'll be going to. Um, a lot of the challenge events are very interested as well. And, and some Ironman uh, hopefully in there as well. So um, yeah, we can uh, find more than enough races to keep myself and probably a couple others coming in for the odd odd weekend double up. Uh, very busy next year. Yeah, so I mean, the age group athletes who've listened to this show, they've probably heard the evolution of this product and seen it probably implemented now on some of the PTO races. And I think they're going to get more and more familiar as you roll it out and take better care of the athletes and keep the welfare of our sport at the top priority in terms of fairness and making sure that the prize money actually gets distributed to the right people who earn it and not are, you know, gotten away with riding the moto toe for hundred and 200 K sometimes. So I think that that's a great um, piece of technology and just a final question. Um, the state of triathlon, the general worldwide global scale of triathlon seems like it's in this weird area right now where Ironman World Championship, the 146 Kona event, seems to be maybe phasing itself into a different level of I don't know, reliability, um, prestige. A lot of athletes may or may not want to still call it a, a world championship. And that might just be generational if it's if it's Nice versus Kona. Um, the PTO events kind of looking like they're going to be a, a maybe six or seven or eight and then contracting athletes to go to certain races. Um, you've got World Triathlon partnering with the PTO, not with Ironman. Um, so I think you've got a lot of conflicting ideals, um, organizational goals, business plans, and the state of triathlon is just in a really kind of big influx, in in my opinion. Now, how do you feel about working with all these different federations and governing bodies? And how has that been a really good thing? And how has it been a challenge? Well, yeah. Um... I can't say I know what, where everything's going in the sport, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, it's definitely a, an interesting time for sure. Um, for us, uh, you know, right from the start, it was really important to work with, with the international federation with ITU at the time, world triathlon. Um, and we, you know, we went to them really early and we also went out to, to challenge and to Ironman right from the get go, just cause obviously the, the bigger players in the sport, um, and, you know, all have been really you know, interested and they've become, I guess uh, they've, they've stopped looking sideways at me like I'm crazy after a few years. So it's taken a while to get get past that initial, um, okay, just kind of nodding. Yep, yep, cool story. Um, but uh, no, it's definitely been been uh, good conversations and, and good to work with those groups. Um, and they're sort of seeing now that, you know, 
the concerns of the athletes are, are also sort of, you know, timing is going really well for us in terms of, you know, certain controversies happening and, you know, things like last weekend, just do give, give us a little boost down then. Like, you know, I, I haven't posted on social media for probably a month and a half, just, just with uh, all the travel that's been going on. You know, I, I really should have been doing that. It's just not my thing. But, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we had, you know, like another 300 followers on Instagram with basically no, nothing from us. It's all coming from, from other people talking about us, which is great. Um, rambling a bit here but uh yeah i think um hey we're happy to work with anyone with all these groups uh obviously when we get to that age group stage the the big player is, is iron man like by far and then you've got challenge uh and then you've got a whole lot of independent events uh i think in europe the sport's super strong coming out of covid um you know there's so many great events to do and i think the the mindset of um i don't want to you know rubbish Americans, but the, the mindset is around sort of lifetime health and, and fitness is a lot more ingrained and, and more commonplace. Um, and you get those athletes who are, I think you get a larger percentage of the field are athletes who are regularly doing races and they do it for a number of years versus um, a larger portion of people who are just there to do one, one triathlon, whether it's a challenge or an Ironman, tick the box, get the tattoo, put it on their LinkedIn profile and move on to, you know, I'm never doing that again. I think um, there's a, a high concentration of those real, you know, longer term athletes in Europe. And uh, it's just so many thriving events, you know, Alpe d'Huez, Gerard Mayer was on the other day, um, you know, all these fantastic races. Uh, so that, so yeah, what I'm hearing available. is the federations, the organizations and working with all them is it's been, they all have, you know, they want to make their events the best they can within the budgets they're allotted. And you all are, eventually fitting into that and that's great and now they're they're seeing it as a value because the athletes are saying we want it and the biggest issue and this is something we're running up against too is trying to start up a larger super league following in the u.s is u.s athletes attention spans and the demographic of thought process as a culture is so different i saw this just in france like the last week riding on this canal system that goes for hundreds of K it's just a canal paved canal path. And I, I rode it every time to get out into the countryside. And every time I'd see more people throughout the week and ran randomly families and people sitting on the bank, just taking downtime, the American culture seems to be so wrapped up in how much harder can I work? rather than how can I take care of myself and spend time with my family? The values, I think, of the European culture are, are quite different. And even the level of broadcast, I think, is way more accessible for French TV to put on a whole Super League on prime time. Um, we had that in Toulouse, and we had hundreds of thousands of people just watching it in person. In the U.S., we're going to go to Malibu and I doubt we're going to see anyone come out to make it a point to watch that event. Um, outside of family and close triathletes. So sports in general, if it's not football, basketball, you know, I don't even know baseball anymore in the U.S., it's been tough. So I think that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is culturally the U.S. just still is part of this evolution of taking care of the, their own welfare with less killing themselves. It's stress, work and everything and more time on the important things. Yeah, we got a bit deep there, I guess. Um, I don't, and I'm probably not the authority to talk on it, but yeah, that's it. Nah, I've just been I thinking about that all week. So yeah, you just yeah, kind of yeah. reminded me. 
but um, yeah, haven't spent that much time in the US myself, but um, yeah, definitely a, a bit of a different mindset and um, yeah, lifestyle, lifestyle fitness and health and uh, yeah, as you say, the, the short work weeks and those kind of things that these countries have and yeah. Yeah, nothing's ever open in Europe. That is, I mean, especially on Sunday, yeah. nothing's open. That yeah, they've like fine. turned that. And I mean, it's annoying, but it's probably great. Um, but, anyways, um, yeah, I appreciate you riding that thin line. You didn't say anything bad about any organization. That was nice. <laughs> to you. I know there's things no, out there. No. no, everyone like yeah, everyone's. Uh, I'd also say like about Iron Man. Like, the, I guess the biggest challenge they. There are a lot of great people there and they obviously put on amazing events. But um, I think the challenge has been navigating the, the organizational tree. Like, who do I talk to? Yeah. Because you've obviously got my, my contact is, is Jimmy and he's the, the head referee. Uh, but beyond that, it, there's just so many people. And you, you know, when we operated at a couple of Ironman events earlier in the year, um, you know, we'd, we'd sort of make contact with a couple of people and it was, you know, it was all happening. We're going to turn up at the event this time. And, and suddenly you start getting, I started getting contact by a lot of other different people and I didn't know how they really are connected. And, and that whole, um, I guess there's just a whole lot more complexity and, and uh, protocol to everything around what they do. Cause obviously they, they produce things to a super high standard. Um, but I guess that's been a bit of a challenge, but hey, like they're very, very intelligent people and, and, you know, they do care about the sport. So um, yeah, we'll get there eventually with them and uh, we're working on it. Yeah, I think that's that's a good place to wrap. You're still growing. You're still going to be out there next year, even better, stronger, with uh, a better staff, more units. Man, it's it's cool to check in with you and see. I think this is a very vital aspect of our, our pulse of the sport is if a company like Race Ranger is growing and the officiating is increasing and, and scrutiny and technological advancements, that I think that bodes really well for our sport because that's low-hanging fruit that does cost a lot of money and time so the fact that that is growing um really speaks a lot to the importance of the rules the importance of these athletes earning a fair race result so that's that's great we're still we're still growing we're not we're not failing as triathlons <laughs> definitely yeah well exactly. we'll get you back on um once we once i get to use it i want to i i need to get yeah. into a pto race don't worry let's do a demo on. We have to go for a ride to get a slap on. That's right. At some point, yeah. Um, but thanks, James. I, I know it's it's your bedtime, so thanks for for joining us, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you again probably in the next five six months. Thanks, Nick. All right. What's up?